Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Cameron Ford, and welcome to this episode of Canines Talking Sense, where we are broadcasting out here from Scent City, Las Vegas, at the Ford Canine Training Center. So, like with every episode, I want to give you guys some updates on what's going on. Uh, one of the first announcements I have is I want to remind everybody, do not miss out on the seminar I have coming up with Michael Nesbeth. This is going to be the Puppy and Young Dog Development uh, Seminar here at Las Vegas or at Ford Canine, and that will be March 28th, 29th, and 30th, and you can go sign up for that on the Ford Canine website. There is only three spots left, so don't miss out. We're only about a month away from this event, so I want you guys to who want to come out to this, watch what me and Mike do on young dog and puppy development, things that we do for testing, things that we do for raising, things that we do to prepare a dog for whatever it job it's going to do. This applies for both detection and any type of patrol type function. So it's a little bit of both sides of that equation when it comes to training, detection, and protection type stuff. So don't miss out on that. Again, that's on the Ford K9 website. That's the seminar with myself and Michael Nesbeth, the puppy and young dog development one. Also, big news was in June, we are going to have basically two seminars in one one-week-long workshop. So Simon Prinz is coming over from Holland. He is going to do a three-day seminar with me from uh, June 13th, 14th, and 15th. That was going to be fundamentals and problem-solving for detection dogs. The 16th, 17th, and 18th is going to be handler skill development seminar. And those two seminars, like I said, are going to run from the first three days, and then we're going to jump right into the next three days on the uh, handler one. We will have a day off on the 19th, but then on the 20th to the 24th, myself, uh, Simon Prinz, Dr. Nathan Hall, and Dr. Palatitaman, all four of us are going to be together for a one-week-long workshop. First two days are going to be lectures, followed by three days of practicals. This seminar is going to have... All of us at one location. So you're going to have Dr. Nathan Hall, who runs the Canine Olfaction Laboratory at Texas Tech University. Dr. Paula Tiedemann, who runs the Forensic Department over at Texas Tech University. So if you want to know about odors, you want to know about how the dog's nose works, you want to know about the dog's mind, and you want to know how to better develop your skills as a handler, communicating with your dog, doing detection work of all types of detection. This is not related to one thing or the other thing. It's a mixture for sport, for professional, various types of professional detection. Everybody is welcome to these to this workshop. So go to FordK9.com. All of this is there. It is under seminars and also under classes. So if you go to seminars, you're going to get everything. If you look under classes, you'll get our classes and the workshop is also listed under there as well. Also, when you have questions about like where to stay and things like that, just go to the About Us section on the Ford K9 website, then scroll down to the FAQ, Frequently Asked Question tab, touch that, and then you can go into all the questions that we top, uh, uh, commonly get uh, when it comes to like where do we stay, what do we expect, what's the start time, all that kind of stuff is there. So 
Those are a number of different seminars and a workshop that I don't want you guys to miss out on. It is limited numbers in all of those. Uh, they are already filling up uh, pretty quickly. The ones in June are already probably about halfway filled now. So um, I highly advise if you want a working spot, please get your information in as soon as possible so we can guarantee you a spot. Audit spots, we're, we have more available, but those are limited as well. So with that said, I also, of course, cannot forget the amazing sponsors for our Canines Talking Sense podcast. And our newest uh, sponsor comes to us called HonestPet.co. So the link will be down below. But HonestPets.co is a company who has a mission to give back to the working dog community. But what they offer is real food, better toys, superior training gear for you and your dog. It's a company that has different kind of like little bundles or packages. Uh, you can do training bundles where it has some training treats mixed in with toys, uh, even for specific skill sets like search and rescue, narcotics, explosives, etc. cetera, um, various types of very healthy treats. Um, their mission, though, is to give back to the working dog community. So each month they have different uh, charities they want to support. So this month is the Georgia Police Canine Foundation. And what this means is during your checkout, you can click on, you want to donate directly to Georgia Police Canine Foundation. And a hundred percent of what you donate will go directly to the Georgia Police Canine Foundation, whose whole purpose is to provide training, equipment, care for dogs, both active and retired. So great cause, great uh, sponsor for us to have on this podcast. I'm delighted to have them join us now. Um, so go check out honestpets.co. Again, the link will be down in the description below. Um, our main supporters too, Leash and Harness Coffee. Very similar in the sense, except this fuels us. They, they sell uh, coffee products uh, for us handlers that need that caffeine injection. They also have a mission to give back to the working dog community as well. So go check out leashharnesscoffee.com. Go support them. Maybe go check out the new, or I wouldn't say new, but it's it was new to me, um, the Fur Missile Blend. You need a little extra jolt, go check out and go get yourself the uh, Fur Missile Blend. Remember, use the coupon code FORDK9 and you'll get 10% off your order. Uh, of course, I've always got to say thank you to Dr. Michelle Mon and Jenna Gadbury over at K9. If you haven't checked out their website recently, go give it a check out. They put a whole new process for cleaning equipment. Uh, cleaning your training materials. Uh, they sell some products now that help you with making sure you don't have a bunch of dirty, nasty training gear to go put out for your dogs and your dogs inadvertently are picking up something that you don't want them to due to because it's too dirty. So SciK9.com, S-C-I-K number nine.com. Go check out what they have. Precision Explosives. Please go check out our friends over at Precision Explosives. They have all new narcotic canine training aids, real substance, can be possessed by you as a citizen that does not have to be DEA licensed. You can also get their various explosive material training kits as well. So go contact Todd Wilbur or his wife Chrissy over at Precision Explosives, P-R-E hyphen 
exp.com. Again, like everything else, down in the show notes. Uh, one more shout out I want to give to Divine Canine Pet Transport. Seriously, if you are looking for a great pet transport company, please go check out Dee Dee over there at Divine Canine. The link will be to her Facebook page. I know she has a coast-to-coast trip coming up where she's going from Florida to California. So as these temperatures start to increase again, as we start hitting these, you know, months as we hit spring, when all these airlines start restricting uh, dogs being transported via airlines, or if you just don't want your dog on an airline, uh, don't want it put in cargo, contact Didi. She will get your dog transported with care to wherever you need it to go in the United States. So go check her out. So this episode, like I was mentioning, is a episode where we are talking about kind of these new aspects when it comes to detection dogs. Um, it's really changing from being a community highly focused on narcotic or explosive. We are much more getting into forensic and information gathering uh, abilities with dogs, dogs helping us locate items of evidence that are crucial to cases. So I'm really excited to kind of talk about this subject. Um, I've been working on this now for a little over a year. So I wanted to share this and and I didn't want to just talk on my own all the time. And my good friend Jeff Meyer over at uh, Hits K9 Radio uh, thought, hey, why not do a simultaneous airing of where I interview you for his podcast? And of course, I can just air this recording uh, so all of you guys can hear because there are this new aspect and these new aspects for detection aren't always going to be law enforcement only type detection dogs. Uh, in fact, there's a case where it was a civilian that was brought in that had an electronics detection dog that made a case. And we'll talk about that in this episode. So as all of you guys are looking forward to, you know, how do I get in detection? This is one of those aspects that might be available to you. I know there's various nonprofits that offer these types of dogs to agencies or uh, organizations to help against uh, child exploitation or human trafficking and things of that nature. And those are good causes. But we also have to make sure, despite a good cause, that things are being trained properly and done so based off of actually really good, solid information. Again, and then we'll talk about that in this episode. Um, Speaking of that, you know, how do I become a handler or get into this? Uh, We have our new uh, YouTube channel. So go check out Ford Canine on YouTube. There's a bunch of videos. I put out videos now weekly uh, on various topics. We have our new Quick Sniff uh, series where it's just because I know everybody's attention span is maybe a minute or two to watch a video and then you get bored and you move on. So we are trying to do quick sniffs where we keep things anywhere between five minutes, 10 minutes. It's hard to really collapse really good information down to a nugget that lasts 30 seconds because um, if you really want to invest in your knowledge and to be better with your dog, you probably got to last more than three minutes uh, on a, to listen to some information being shared, whether it be from myself or anybody else. So go check out our Ford canine YouTube channel. Join that. We will also send people that are uh, members of the uh, Ford canine YouTube channel. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. Just subscribe. Uh, you'll get links to some of the private stuff that we don't put out broadcast wise. You'll get, 
just, you know, videos that we're doing that specifically for people who are subscribed to our channel. So without taking any longer of the time, let's get into this episode with Jeff Meyer and let's talk some digital dust. Today I've got uh, Cameron Ford on here. Cameron's been a frequent guest of mine, a good friend of mine. I uh, uh, do a lot of different things with Cameron, uh, with dogs over the years. And uh, I've been talking to him quite a bit about some new detection stuff that Cameron's doing. So I want to bring him on here and basically just pick his brain a little bit about uh, what he's doing with some detector dogs now. And what the idea is that I think in this day and age, the more different uh, ideas we can do to make our dogs be of use to our agency, the better we're sitting as, you know, the changes of uh, keep coming. So we don't know where everything's going to end up shaking out, but I just really encourage everybody to really look at their program and think of, is there any other um, new tools, new technology, new uh, ideas that they can add into their own unit and able to make them more valuable? So, uh, you know, a lot of these agencies I know ours included, you know, we're strapped for people right now. So if they need to start removing bodies from canine, you know, make sure that your dog's one of the ones that's getting the most work. Make sure that all your dogs are getting work if you're a supervisor so they go on to some other special unit. Uh, that's all I'm kind of thinking about is just uh, really keep looking at all the different uh, new ways we're using detector dogs. See if there's a fit for your agency. So that's why I'm going to bring Cameron on. We're going to talk quite a bit about uh, dogs that find electronic media. So... How are you doing today, Cameron? I'm doing good, and thanks for having me back on. Oh, yeah. Always a good time to have you on. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit, so I'll just give you the mic. And why don't you uh, just, for everybody that's listening, go over how you got into this and then talk about some of the – I know it's kind of grown past what you thought it would be within, what, about a year that you started doing this? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so if you'll just kind of explain how you got into it and, and where, where it took you to today. Sure. So – like you said, electronic storage media detection dogs or ESM is kind of the acronym that most are starting to use, um, has been around for, you know, and I would say five, six, seven years, maybe longer than that. Um, it got notoriety or got popular after the Jared subway case in which, um, FBI had basically done some work uh, with a CI and that CI had exchanged images with Jared of uh, juveniles uh, in some type of sexual encounter and so forth. So when they raided his house, the FBI crime lab searched his house for, I want to say it was a day or two and had not found the devices that he had stored these images on. So one of the uh, agents decided, Hey, I'd heard there's a uh, guy that's got a dog that can do this. Can we contact him and have him come out? So sure enough, they did. And then within a very short period of time, uh, it was, you know, hours or, you know, under an hour, whatever it was, found the items hidden in Jared's house pretty quickly. And of course, that made the case and then got popular. So uh, there's a few more high profile cases that was used. And that was kind of what kicked off those dogs. And then from that I point, guess, go ahead. I'm jump in, I guess, interestingly enough, weren't they found like in a wall socket or something like something that? like that baseboard or. Yes, it was yeah. not. It, obviously, it was hard enough that 
the crime lab from the FBI that was there for a couple of days hadn't located it. So uh, the dog definitely made the case uh, by locating those items of evidence that obviously made the sure. conviction of Jared a lot more easy to do. So, you know, from, from that point, I believe the biggest one in the United States, Connecticut State Police, um, used their chemists and they kind of honed in on a chemical that's common in electronics. And that's called TPPO. There's a very long you know, name to it. I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. But basically, it's an agent within most electronics. And it's used for, I want to say, soldering or kind of holding together. It's an adhesive glue-ish soldering type chemical. And that was what pretty much, and it's still today, is in the United States anyway, known as the main thing that people should train on to find electronic media devices. However, fast after this has been going on, let's say for a few years, in the past three years, the Dutch police um, conducted their own research. They reached out to Connecticut State Police, asked them what research specifically with dogs, along with chemistry, did they do to find this answer. And like I said, the information was, well, the chemist told us this is what's prevalent. Um, but the Dutch wanted to know what do the dogs find? Sure. So sure. the, so after a couple of years of research, what the Dutch were able to determine at their forensic canine program was TPPO was not what the dogs used to spontaneously generalize to electronics. It was actually something different, which is I, I, I just for sake of uh, confidentiality with uh, this sure. information, yeah. there's basically two other chemicals that are prevalent that if you train on these two other chemicals, the dogs do have a much higher spontaneous generalization to electronics than the TPPO. So what I did, you know, how I got more involved was I applied what the Dutch police did over here in the United States, and I did it for some large agencies in Southern California, and these dogs performed the same way and did even better than we had hoped uh, that, that matched the Dutch system. So basically, we were the first that I know of besides Europe that have taken what the Dutch did, did it over here, replicated it, and had basically the same results. So, okay. so let me let me just yeah. over there. So you've, you've imprinted them on an odor, and I, I assume people that are listening, they can contact you directly. Correct. If you're a law enforcement agency, I can share the information with you, yeah. no problem. So, so you can contact the camera directly. He'll kind of give you w- ways to imprint the dog. So you imprinted them. The agency took the dog, and the idea there is, is at the time, were they thinking cell phones in jails? Were they thinking child porn cases or what yeah. What was their, their hope at the time and what did you think they were going to be using dogs? For? So, yeah, like you just said, most people, when they think of electronic detection dogs, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, cases against children, child porn, sure. any type of sexual type, you know, function for a dog uh, to find evidence. And it goes way beyond that. Um, there's, you know, digital dust is what the best way to describe what we have today. Every person leaves digital dust out there. And what that means, it's cell phone, SD cards, micro SD cards, any electronic device you're using, we leave bits of information. And depending on different types of criminal activity, so now with the advent of cryptocurrency, uh, you have numerous narcotic transactions being done over crypto 
versus currency because it's a whole lot easier to get crypto sure. codes across borders than it is getting loads of cash. And the biggest difference, this is a key factor, was for the cartels or any major drug or criminal aspect, this is the using cryptocurrency is the only system in which they may actually gain more money as they wait for these codes to arrive to them versus waiting for currency to arrive to them. Currency could get seized. So they're, they're, they always ride in a loss, obviously. Sure. They know there's going to sure. be X amount of percent that won't get to them. But with cryptocurrency and crypto codes, the, while this little micro SD card with tons of codes on it gets to them, the market can significantly change, which means their money, let's say, went from $3 million to $6 million just because the time it took them to get the codes. Yeah. So they made yeah. more money. It's the only system in which they'll make more money. So now we've got a narco aspect to this. And when I've talked to many officers who are either canine handlers or just officers that are proactive on the road, I've asked them, are you seeing a increase on your searches, whether it be cars or houses and so forth? Are you seeing an increase in... SD cards, micro SD cards, thumb drives, as you've noticed when you dust up. Sure. And a lot of them are going, you know, now you say that, there is. Or search warrants. And you and I had this conversation. Yeah. There is, you know, a lot more of these devices that weren't initially written into a potentially a search warrant that now need to be collected because this is critical information that's being held on these devices that makes or breaks a case, you know, just like the yeah. subway case. Yeah. So... This is, it's critical to now have this tool. So whether it be financial crimes, whether it be narcotics crimes, the, the crimes against children, the sexual aspect of it, to also going into um, white collar, you know, money laundering. There's a number of different things now that we can use these dogs for. And the lessons learned, like the Dutch police now have these subcategories. So if you're an electronics detection dog handler, you go to these intel briefings and get information about the subject because there's that profiling aspect. People of a white collar sure. criminal aspect hide things a certain way as opposed to a sexual criminal, how they're going to hide these devices. Sexual cases, they want to keep it close to the, closer to them so they can go find it uh, and use it and, and get yeah. it frequently where somebody might be white collar are going to put it on something that they don't own, a property that's not associated sure. to them, things of that nature. There's also the terrorism aspect. As many of us know, one of the biggest grabs of intel comes from media devices, like when they hit bin Laden, the treasure trove of all this information. So a lot of agencies in these bigger cities that I've worked with, NYPD, LA County, all of these utilize dogs to help us gain information on also terrorism aspects, you know, information being shared, plans, so on, so forth. So digital dogs in this digital dust that's out there is critical for us to utilize this tool, a dog, to help us locate these things that's something the size of a thumbnail. You know, a micro yeah, SD card, cars, yeah. yeah, can hold a terabyte of information. It's not any bigger than your fingernail. So, yeah. and like you said, too, this carries into phones. You know, these dogs that are trained on these two chemicals I was talking about alert also to phones, to USB chargers, so they're being used in correctional facilities. Like they've always been, phones have been, as you know, you know, yeah. that's a common thing, but people were training on the phones and lithium, the batteries, puts off a very strong odor. And that's fine, that's good, and that's that's relevant item. But a dog that can do both of those things, find the items that have a, a charging, which will have lithium battery probably to it, and then the other chemicals that help us locate media devices makes a big difference. So 
those are the kind of so what you're saying is i mean you're seeing the use you know has gone from uh from jared the subway Uh now it's you know obviously there's terrorists uh that might use it the cartels are using it so these departments that may be invested for one of these three or four or five reasons are realizing there's crossovers and now the dog's getting utilized in you know lots of different you know detective bureaus across their agency so they're seeing more more payback for their initial investment. Oh, huge. I mean, several departments are coming back to you for more dogs. Oh yeah. It's, it's a cascading effect. Not only that, we have government, you know, three letter agencies now that employ these dogs uh, quite extensively. I mean, take example of Super Bowl. And I guarantee everybody that watched Super Bowl remembers this commercial. Remember that commercial that lasted for 60 seconds where that QR code bounced around the screen, like the old DVD codes, you know, the DVD logo would do. That was a QR code for a cryptocurrency website. Probably the most effective, you know, commercial because everybody, it it crashed the website because so many people scanned the QR code to go to that. So QR codes are a major link now to criminal activities and you have to store this information. Most don't want to store it in a cloud. Clouds can get hacked, but you store it onto a media device. This can be changed hand to hand. Uh, mailed, etc., and this you know criminal information activity, whatever it is, stored on these devices needs to be found. It's critical information to make or break a case. So, you know, a- another funny example was when the I was learning this stuff. The guys were saying, if you go to some of these, you know, I'm in Vegas, so the high end strip clubs, you go overseas to these same kind of places, even prostitution now to get around some of the prostitution laws, the the women will put. QR codes and glitter on their arms and you can just scan their QR code with your phone and pay them that way. So there's another no example. More, no more dollar bills. No, no more, more dollar. Bills. We're not making it rain with dollar bills anymore. We're making it rain with, with codes. So this is why it's important. Again, you know, I mean, you had this conversation before where I was joking around. We are in this with, with cryptocurrency. We are in the same stage today that many of us were in when the internet first started, when we saw that sure. little at symbol and everybody was like, what the hell is this at yeah. symbol thing? And yeah. that, you know, the beeping noise, like a fax machine to get online. Yeah. It, and everybody was like, I don't know if I'd ever do an email that, that makes no sense. I can just call somebody. Well, <laughs> look where we're at now. Now it's, now it's an everyday thing. It, so, so cri- crypto will be yeah. the same. So the, it seems like the need is, is there and getting better. And I think that's, it's like any new uh, detector things going out and, explain to your agency what you have and all the detectives might utilize you. Let's talk about the training aspect. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're saying that there's a fairly proprietary odor mm-hmm. that you can imprint your dog on. My question then is, is like I'm sitting here in my office and I'm looking around and I have this yep. recorder that we're recording this on, <laughs> a computer. I've got so much electronic crap in here yep. that if I, if I had my hidden thumb drive mm-hmm. anywhere in here, isn't it going to be difficult for that dog if he's only finding the portable media, how is it going to work past my cell phone and all the stuff across my desk? Yeah, no, that's, it's a great question. So one of the things that we also teach, and that's the big aspect I did when I go around and I work with these agencies is there is a pre-search thing that has to be done. So 
your search team, so your investigators come through that space. So a lot of these are used more frequently with probation violations. So a lot of these people on probation aren't allowed to have any type of electronic device. So what the investigators do is they go through the space, everything they can get their hands on, they remove all of these items that they can see. So like you said, all of those electronic items that you see in that space are removed and taken to what they call like, like a accountability area. So that yeah, individual yeah. goes through devices like remote controls because in one specific case, the guy knew that they would take these items out. So he put the micro SD cards in the remote control, not thinking that like basically a sure. detective might open up the remote control yeah. and find it. Well, luckily enough, in this case, the dog kept pulling to the pile of electronics and the handler wrote it off a couple of times and then, like, this is weird. Let me have my dog go back to it. So his dog goes back to it. He opens it up. And sure enough, two micro SD cards fall out. So there's a procedure that we teach about setting up the area prior to bringing the dog in sure. to search it. And like you said, you are still going to have indications where the dog is correct. It's a located a electronic device. Yeah. It's your job to say whether this is, you know, malignant or benign. Yeah. You know, is this yeah. something that's relevant or not relevant? So... It's a huge time saver um, in that aspect. It's, like I said, those things are so small that that the human can miss a lot of things that the dog may not. And now you you bring up another good point within that is these are also very low vapor pressure items. So it is critical that you work really good with your search team because dogs aren't perfect either. So we have to do a good job of, you know, hand searching the area and then bringing the dog in to do this. But the teams working together have been very successful, uh, more so than than they were when they didn't have that item available to them. They didn't have the dog. So that's an important aspect as part of the training and working of the dog is the education aspect of how to search the area before you deploy a dog into it. Well, and, and you're looking for such a very, very small amount of order. I mean, I think it's, I would like equate it to finding a shell casing in a football field, which we could do. Mm-hmm. The only difference is a football field is just grass. Yeah. And it's not a lot of, you know, contaminated odor. Yeah, no. And, and elevated fines, you know, like let's say hiding the micro SD card up in an AC vent or something like that. Or this is, again, where your search team has to be skilled at their jobs. Um, and, and, and do these good checks and don't get lazy. Uh, the dog is going to really enhance this, this ability because like I said, there's, we we have case after case after case where we can demonstrate where dogs have been much more successful at locating these hidden items where the human missed, which is, you know, an important aspect. And are you seeing most of these dogs, are they single purpose uh, detection dogs? Yes. Excellent question. So um, one of the most important things is I get asked frequently, can I make this drug dog also an electronics dog? And this is more out of, let's say, no, I know, I know you meant, I was going to hit both of them, but yeah. So the first part was, can we have a dual odor dog? Can this dog that does, let's say, guns or money also do electronics and then the dual purpose aspect dogs that do bite work and detection of electronics. So out of the two categories, bite dogs that do electronics is more successful than doing a dog of multitude or multiple odors. So, because what happens is once we teach, let's say a a dog on firearms or currency, and then we also want to use the electronic aspect, the dogs that are trained on this other item of odor that's stronger 
becomes the dogs what they look for. They have more success in finding this. If we just focus on the only odor this dog is trained to detect is electronic, we have no, we've seen a lot less problems. So I okay. always tell these agencies, stay away from doing two different types of odor disciplines with one of them being electronic and one being something else, because the other items are going to be typically far more salient odor wise than the other. Okay. All right. That's a good thing about, you know, I think if you listen to our last podcast, the good thing about when we, you know, you and I have been around a long time that's a point where we can probably agree to disagree because I think, uh, you know, like I said, I have a dog that does uh, currency and guns Mm -hmm. and he doesn't favor either one of them. No, I'm good with it. But the electronics, we've seen a significant drop off when we did the test because there's been, they tried this and it's the unique aspect of the electronics being so low threshold. It just doesn't trip you, their trigger. You got exactly right. Okay. So they, they intentionally go in, they're looking, but then they start looking for the more salient one. Um, yeah. That's the only, that's a big difference. I totally agree with you with the firearm explosive because we have pretty strong salient things. Yeah. The caveat out of this was the target odor of the other discipline is so low that the reinforcement schedule is what becomes yeah. the problem. The, the dog yeah. getting something. But has anybody done a, a patrol electronic media dog? Yes, there have been, been that, and they've had good success with that. Um, you, you know, again, it's they're the lower number, so there needs to be more sure. to say, you know, what you'll get out of it. But um, there hasn't been any listed significant negatives from that. So okay. I think the more that they get out there, we might see pluses or minuses. But I'm going to go out there and say that might be, re, you know, to the individual dog. Sure. Oh, and handler. Yeah, correct. There's a lot of variables there that I wouldn't say is the odor problem. It's the, these other factors. Yeah. Like we talked about, you know, on a previous podcast, um, are you, is there anything different you would do if, uh, you know, if if I called you today and I said, did Cameron need you to train me up a dog? I'll buy as a finished dog. When you go to selection test that dog, is that anything different that you're doing on, uh, for the detection dog than if I told you I want a gun dog, bomb dog, whatever, yeah, media. that's a great question, too. So, yes, um, when it comes to electronic media dogs, what we look for is a dog that's a little more meticulous, a little bit more um, focused at, you know, their search work versus a dog that runs around, you know, you know, waiting for the odor to hit his face like they're faster dogs. Um, that's pretty good for, um, it's like you said, like firearms, narcotics, sometimes sure. explosives. Yeah. We need a dog who has a propendency to be more focused on a detailed type of search pattern. And yeah. that naturally can, you know, also we need to sometimes present to them, Hey, like check this little corner. Cause they're, you know, yeah. and I'm not a big, huge guy. That's like detail, like crazy, but it, this kind of work, we do need a dog that can yeah. get highly focused on very, very, very small areas, take direction, pretty good work. Um, a lot of sniffing in a very small space. So let's say, uh, there might be some people that have seen videos online where these dogs are searching for little pieces of Kong or whatever. And those dogs will sniff, like crazy, like one side of a car. Yeah. It could take him like five minutes to search that one side of the car, but man, it is a, in a really good search. And that's very similar to what um, is successful in this kind of work too, because again, with an item that is so small that you need something that the dog can, can kind of pin, you know, get good at searching very in a pinpointed yeah. way versus like running around aimlessly with, yeah. with a nose up in the air. Brings to me another question then would be, you know, if you're going to go do a, 
a 3,000 square foot, you know, four bedroom house with a finished basement. Um, that's going to take one dog. You know, I could do that with a, a currency dog mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fairly quickly because yeah. I'm looking for large amounts of money mm-hmm. or a gun dog, whatever. Yep. That's a one dog search all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the way you're describing that, I'm either going to have to put my dog up a few times or bring a couple because I just can't imagine doing that detailed of a search. Yeah, I'll give you an ex- entire house. Perfect. I'll give you an example. So, again, recently. There's a, uh, I don't want to give out too much information, but there's a well-known individual celebrity who's under the uh, scrutiny of legal right now in regards to, the, again, this case is a, is a sexual related case, um, and they're searching his mansion. They needed all four electronic media dogs to, you know, this, to complete sure. the search of this mansion. And like you said, they broke it off into sections. And each dog did its section, and some dogs, like, overlapped with each other over time. So this was a search warrant conducted, hands-on searches done initially, dogs followed up. And in this case, you know, a dog found, again, an item of evidence that was basically well hidden with intent in a sofa. So, again, it was missed by hands-on searches found by the dog. Um, and, And, again, by doing what you said, the joke I make is, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you do that one bite at a time. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. the, it, yeah. the, these dogs do have to, uh, we have to set a plan. You know, you have to create a search plan. Yeah. Okay, what do I have? How are we going to do this? Okay. And w- very similar to how we worked uh, as an instructor with being Naval Special Warfare, when they would do hits of a target, they have what's called SSE. And this is a, just a procedure. I'm not going to get into, again, details on it. But it's a procedure in which you go through, search a compound or a place, and you label, let's say, the, we call it a room labeler. The room the guy writes on the, let's say, the, yeah. the, the frame of the door, yeah. room number, whatever, who did it, and who was in there. And then those that that identification gets put on any bag that you take from that space. So the the plan is made ahead of time. So the dog, the handler knows they're going to search room one, room two, room three, and they're going to do so within the appropriate times they have available. And they're going to do the best job they can based on those conditions. So you're right. It's not as easy as let me just bebop through room to room to room looking for a really salient odor. Uh, like you said, narc, currency, you know, firearm, et cetera. Uh, this one has to be, you know, like I said, walk through, removed items, and then go bring a dog in and go search it. So, but it's critical because this, the, this information that's so much harder to get these days because of how well you can conceal it, you know, yeah, yeah. but this evidence that's found through the dogs many times is critical to make or break the case, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a forensic aspect. And that's what I would say is probably some of the biggest things that we're seeing change within our industry with detection dogs. It's no longer, or it won't be longer a, a, a dog industry highly focused on narcotics and explosives. We now have it's a. Not, yeah, it's not about probable cause now. It's no, tool. we are we are morphing into a forensic tool for law enforcement. The dogs are a sensor, and we can use these sensors to find electronic media, blood, currency, firearms. You know, like you said, down to a shell casing. These are all ways that we can collect evidence with this amazing tool, the dog, that makes a critical difference in success of cases versus like we've been doing safety and probable cause. Well, now yeah. it's evidence collection, evidence preservation, making a case, investigatory, investigatory tools, yep. things of that nature. And I can tell you from my own experience, um, 
when we started the the unit, when I started the unit I'm in now with our, our dogs, the first time I went and found a shell casings, I remember even our deputy chief lost his mind over it. And you, these are these are in an agency the size of mine. You don't hear from a chief. And I got a he came down and I got a handshake from him saying this is awesome. We found these shell casings because we had never done that before. Mm-hmm. It never happened. And now I don't really think that you know for a very long time, long after I'm gone that our department will be without dogs that can find guns and shell casings mm-hmm. because we had, you know, good success at the beginning, which spreads more success. So I could see that same thing happening with this type of, you know, these, this portable media is not going away. The no. electronic stuff is, is here to stay, the cryptocurrency. So I, I guess when, when I listen to all the different aspects that you're outlining, here's a key point is that, you know, there's some people who are listening to this that are very good dog trainers tons of experience mm-hmm. but if you've never done this that's probably a good time to reach out to Cameron or reach out to you know an agency who has it who who can kind of go over because the search is not the same as a no. dog search or something mm-hmm. so you know instead of trying to reinvent the wheel just reach out to, to a, somebody who's done it and uh, kind of pick their brain doesn't mean you gotta go train with them but you know a couple phone calls and, and figure out some things maybe have them come look at your dog when you're up and running so I think uh, you know networking is be uh, be your friend on it's like, huge like it and we're and we're putting together a group you know for those that are interested we're putting together a group and our whole goal is to share the intel with each other when it comes to electronic media detection so this group is consisting of agencies and and handlers from all over the world who are working together to help each other out with all of these different types of criminal cases now. Like I said, again, beyond just the sexual side of, or the child molestation sure. side of things, sure. it's far more expansive than that. And we've come together as a group and we email each other when we need to. And again, like you said, I am happy to share with any law enforcement agency this information that was done through research. And, and I'm happy to let you read the, this information. Again, it has to be a bona fide law enforcement agency that gets this information because it is still considered confidential, but we are allowed to share it to these agencies so they can see because we're in a pioneer period of electronics detection. You know, like I said, Connecticut State Police got the ball rolling. It's evolved already since then. And the Dutch police took it that next step further. And then I, get, I know in a few more years, there'll be a change again, because this is what we have to adapt to with technology. So, you know, people don't, the, the big thing that you have to change your mindset on is, you know, like you said, doing bomb and drug dogs for years, we were always like, well, this is the way to do it. You know, and there's a lot of, this is the way versus this is a way. Well, in electronics, we have to understand it's a very different way of working the dog imprinting is a very different way because of what we're imprinting on and what it does chemically. So we have to understand that, okay, I'm going to come at this as a brand, even though I've had, you know, I did this with, you know, late in 20 years of experience, you know, 27 years experience, I had to go, okay, let me look at this differently and take it all in. Cause I was convinced before TPPO was the way to go. I was one of those guys. Hell yeah, that's the way to go. This is the way to do it. And then when I was presented, actual hard proof data with, you know, numerous dogs being trained this newer way and seeing significantly better results that changed my mind. And it made me go, you know what, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to make these changes. And I clearly see strong success from this. So it's not anything personal. You just have to be going, you know what, I'm ready to evolve. I can make the change I need to make. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, I like to keep these uh, about 30 minutes. I think we've covered this pretty well. 
I, I appreciate it. We've talked a, a minute ago about, uh, you know, the networking and stuff. Mm-hmm. I always want to throw in that if you want to do some networking, Hits is a good place to do it. We're going to be in Orlando at the, in August. So we'll be in Orlando. Cameron's going to be there teaching some classes. Mm-hmm. Lots of guys uh, will be there. You can sit down, talk to the instructors, get to know everybody. So check out hitskeenan.net and uh, stop by Cameron. He'll, he can talk to more about this. And I'll put Cameron's uh, information in the show notes like always. And uh, I think if you just email Cameron with uh, yep. like your law enforcement email address on there, he'll be you know, free to share some of this information with you. So Absolutely. Uh, as always, Cameron, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, this is good information. And hopefully, uh, you know, it's going to uh, get some guys thinking about maybe uh, starting their, this in their own uh, unit. Absolutely. No, and I'm glad to help. And again, thank you for having me coming on. And like you said, the website, they just go to FordK9.com. It's F-O-R-D-K number nine dot com. Uh, all the contact information is there and everything else they want to go see. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes too. So thanks, Cameron. I'll talk to you real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.